Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so excited, like we always are, to have you join us. It really means so much to have you with us each week. And we love seeing your messages and Instagram stories and Facebook posts and private messages asking about where you can find that almond croissant and telling me what bakery I need to visit in what random city. I hear you and I will visit and I have made a list. So thank you, thank you. Um, Today is extra special. I've been looking forward to uh, today's episode for a couple weeks now and we are in the middle of Black History Month and Ashley had the honor and privilege of visiting the Legacy Museum and Lynching Memorial in Alabama recently and today is why black history is American history though and today is going to be me asking Ashley questions about her recent visit and she is going to share her wisdom and knowledge with us and we can all be learners And no matter how you've celebrated Black History Month, we encourage you to celebrate that year round because Black history is our shared American history. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Ashley, without further ado, I know you're on a road trip from Mm -hmm. New York to LA, going to uh, LA to plant some roots again and uh, had an opportunity to stop. So would you fill us in on your recent trip to Alabama? Mm -hmm. Well, our trip to Montgomery, Alabama is one of the main reasons that we made the decision to go on a family road trip. Like, how do you uproot your family and move across the country? You know, and we kept thinking, Cody and I, since the Legacy Memorial opened and the lynching uh, memorial opened, we were like, we have to do this. And the flights, for some odd reason, from LaGuardia to Montgomery were just absolutely outrageous. So when we decided to do this, we're like, oh, we could totally make a trip through the Southeast and go through Montgomery, Alabama, spend a couple of days there and just take our time with these museums. And not to mention having two little kids and wanting to have this conversation consistently in our family through books or through conversations or the different things they might be. Levi, my oldest, might be learning at school. And we all also found out from a dear friend of mine named Brooke, um, she lives in New York, that they had a Rosa Parks Museum. So we're like, oh, we can each, you know, we kind of tagged theme team on the museum because, you know, the lynching museum and memorial is not appropriate for their age right. range because they're five and two and a half. And so we, um, we tag teamed and allowed them to see some of the civil rights um, memorials and where Dr. Martin Luther King pastored his first pastor position and where he lived during that time and the Rosa Parks Museum. And so I'll talk about all that too. So I have loved the work of Equal Justice Initiative for a very long time. And Brian Stevenson is one of mine and my husband's personal heroes. We're just, we're in awe of the work that he's doing because he just encapsulates the kind of person who is able to do not just advocacy work, I mean, I'm sorry, awareness work, which is important. Like maybe for you on this podcast as a listener, you're like, wow, I wasn't even aware of lynching in America or wasn't even aware of, you know, the terrorism that African-Americans received living in our country. And um, maybe that's new to you and you didn't realize it. So awareness is incredibly important. And at the same time, not only do they do awareness, but they work around policy and advocacy and are actually changing laws and making 
society more equitable. And my absolute favorite thing about the work of EJI is that they are rewriting history. And when my husband finished going through the museum, one of the things he said, he was like, I'm so mad at all of my history teachers. It just makes no sense that none of this is covered in school. And he's so right. And it's important. My other mentor, Lisa Sharon Harper, very often says that it it matters who holds the story. It matters who Mm. tells the narrative. And so, so much of the narrative of African Americans and Native Americans, Asian Americans, you know, um, Latino Americans is missing in our culture and in our understanding of history, which makes sense given our racist um, roots. So it's really important to learn these things and do these things and experience this. I first encountered Brian Stevenson at the Justice Conference in Los Angeles. I was part of a large team of people who were helping host that event in our city at the time. And he was one of the guest speakers. And when I heard him speak, God had already been stirring my heart around the issue of mass incarceration in America. And if you've read my book, I have a whole chapter on reconciliation where I talk about having seven warrants out for my arrest in the past, but never having to go to jail, never having to be arrested, never having to really do anything except pay a lot of extra money for the court system. And so seeing how many people um, are affected by the criminal justice system in America was really meaningful and important to me. And when I heard him speak, I realized now is the time to act. I need to do something about this. And he is the the direct catalyst for me becoming a prison chaplain when I, wow. when I lived and worked in Los Angeles. Wow. And so he's he's really important to me, and his work has been quite formative in my view of history. It's been very formative in my um, work around advocacy and the way I raise awareness, the way that I speak, the way that I try to use my platform to empower others who are doing incredible work because I don't need to do the work and I don't need to lead the work. But he's really been formative in how I see history and how I see the roots that I come from and how I see my experience versus what might be a person of color's experience in America. So all that to say, it was powerful and and really a dream for us to be able to go and experience this. Um, before I kind of get into the museum, I wanted to talk about how affordable they made it. And I think Ooh, yeah. for those of us who have <clears throat> capacity to influence others and who are you know, offering conferences or nights or meetups or different things like this. I was so struck by how affordable it was. And maybe part of that is being in Montgomery, Alabama, owning buildings, like who knows. But I was so struck because the tickets to the museum were $8.50 and wow. the ticket to the memorial was $5.50. So I thought, man, how incredible you could be a teenager or, you know, um, someone who's in middle school and you can be elderly and you can be someone with, with very little income or someone who could be currently struggling with economic um, struggles and still be able to participate in yeah. learning the history of our com- of our country. And I thought that that was really meaningful. Like I was struck by that. I'm like, this whole trip, you know, cost us like $20. Wow. Um, and that was really important for me as well. Um, so yeah, I think the museum was breathtaking. I mean, they, first of all, they house this museum like where they chose to put the legacy museum is actually where a slave warehouse was in Alabama. Oh and Um, Right around the corner was where they did the slave auctions, which is now um, a huge fountain kind of in this this big circle in the center of their like downtown area. And so they chose to put this building um, right where the slave warehouse was. And as soon as you walk in, because you're not allowed to take pictures in there, they did a phenomenal job of, of laying out the history of the terrorism of slavery. And as you walk through, the first four things that you see are these incredible holograms. Actually, I think there's five of them. And so there's holograms. There's one 
of um, a woman who's enslaved. She's standing and singing a hymn. And then you see these two young children. I mean, I'm going to tears just thinking about it. But mm. you see these two young children, and it's a hologram of them. And they're both standing together asking if anyone has seen their mother. And um, next to that is a man who has just been um, taken or just been sold, excuse me, and he's also singing. And then there's another woman who's standing in a kitchen. And so they have these these beautiful holograms where you can listen. I mean, beautiful in the sense that it's showing us a right story. I'm not talking about slavery being beautiful because nothing about it is. It's a terror. It's a horror. Um, But it's beautiful that they force you to stare and they force you to look and listen and think and imagine what it could have been like. Imagine what it would be like. Imagine what um, it would look like for children and families to be separated. And of course, I'm drawing so many parallels when I think about the current border crisis that we're dealing with and families that have been separated and children who still are not reunited with their families. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about all this as it's happening. So, so much of it for me was paralleled with the immigration crisis that we're dealing with here in America. And so as I watched and as I listened, one of the things I kept um, saying to myself is, I will not look away from your terror. I will mm. hold space for your story. I will mm. share in this history. And um, it was really powerful to determine in my heart, I will look away from nothing. I will read everything. I will experience all of it um, so that I can um, become more acquainted with stories. And I think you guys know by now, Tiffany and I are so incredibly fond of telling stories because there's something about stories that tells the whole truth and connects us in a real and meaningful way. And as we know, every statistic breaks down to a person the same way every policy breaks down to people. And so because of that, stories are really important for us to um, gain understanding, to um, walk empathetically, hand in hand and solidarity with one another. We need to know stories, not just numbers, not just figures, not just news clips, which sometimes can be quite inaccurate anyway. (laughs) And so it's important for us to understand the importance of stories and so and then you walk through and he lays out or the equal justice initiative lays out through the museum they start with um slavery and then they move into jim crow and segregation and separation and they did this really powerful exhibit inside where they have all the signs that show laws um so you know all the some of the laws go all the way up into the 60s but are on segregation or separation and then on the other side of that they have hold signs that say you know for whites only or um coloreds only or we don't serve jews and then they would list Jews, Mexicans, like they just would have a list of things outside of stores or restaurants or all these different things. And they have all those signs posted so that you can remember, we are not even a 100 years away from this. We are not even a 100 years away from that. That means people are still alive who either participated in segregation or went to schools that were not integrated yet. I mean, think about this. We're talking about just a couple of generations ago that this was happening. So we can't pretend like those mindsets don't get handed down because you you, um, receive from society, you receive from family, and all of that shapes the dominant worldview that you carry. And so we have to acknowledge this is part of why racism still exists. And then from Jim Crow, they move right into um, mass incarceration. And what I loved about the mass incarceration exhibit, several things, but one of them that was really, I thought, um, wonderful to see was just how they display um, mass incarceration as slavery. And so, you know, and for and I want you guys to hear me because like I've sat with DAs and I have worked with officers and I have done all kinds of work and Tiffany has too, um, and so we know also that it's important for people who are traffickers and you know doing terrible things to women, raping, murdering. We understand that we want people to be held accountable for their crimes, so we're talking about this whole idea of Jim Crow moving into mass incarceration and not yes. you know guilty people who need to be held accountable. 
And so they had this beautiful exhibit where you sit down just like you were in a jail. And maybe some of you have family members who are in jail. Maybe some of you have been prison chaplains. And so you sit down and you pick up a phone and then through the glass, you see the other person, you're able to talk to them. That's how I did all of my prison chaplaincy work. And so I sat down and what they do is on this screen, when you pick up the phone, someone who was formerly incarcerated, who has now been released due to the work of Equal Justice Initiative, all of them um, were uh, presumed guilty, even though they were innocent and eventually were relieved of their um, of their uh, stays Sentence. in prison, yeah, of their sentences. And so we're sitting in front of them, and one man um, served a 42-year sentence for a crime that he did not commit. And he tells his story as you pick up the phone, and he talked about how he was um, he was in prison in Alabama. And while he was there at the very beginning, what they did was they actually made them work in the cotton fields and the tobacco fields. And so every single day he would get taken from, he'd wake up and then get taken from the jail to go work in the fields. And so tell me how this is different than slavery. Right. Um, and tell me for how a this crime is, he did not commit. Correct. And tell me how this is rehabilitating a person and helping them learn and helping them grow and how it's not. It's just repeating the thing that we had yes. before, but legal under the law. And so I thought they did a really powerful job. And I enjoyed people having to sit and have the experience of what it might look like to speak with a family member who is incarcerated, what it might look like for a family to be separated, especially for a family where a person is innocent and what that might look like. And they did mostly men and they had a couple of women speaking as well. And they had videos. It was so powerful. And then on the way out of the muse the Legacy Museum, they asked these incredible questions. Well, two things I want to finish with. So before I get to the questions, they created um, one of the most powerful things they did is they documented through EJI, and you can actually read this report online, and we'll we'll link to it for you in the show notes. But they have documented four thousand four hundred racial terror lynchings in the United States during the right. period between Reconstruction and World War II. Oh and so um, obviously there's so many more, but these are documented, either where someone took pictures next to the lynching or there was um, a photo of you know the crowd that came to watch the lynching. And so it's, it's devastating, everything about it. But what they did to honor every person is they um, went to the land where, they, where the lynching is documented and scooped up soil. And then they put the soil inside this glass container. And so all along the, the, the walls, you can see the soil. And if they didn't have the name, they just simply wrote unknown and the date so that you would be able to see these lives mattered. This was important that this happened and we need to acknowledge it and we need to reckon with it and we need to do whatever it takes to eradicate a racism in our world and in our country. And so it was so powerful to stand and look. And obviously I was so struck every time I saw a woman's name or um, a child, um, there, the one that really got Cody and I was there was, in, it happened in Texas, in a county in Texas, there was a 17-year-old boy who was lynched, and over 10,000 people came to watch his lynching, and he was um, falsely accused of hurting a three-year-old child, and um, they lynched him with 10,000 people watching, and so it was just devastating to watch that, and the photos that you can see on my Instagram, I took that one, had a place where you were allowed to take photos and not in the museum, so if you go to my Instagram, you can also um, look through some of those photos so I want to read to you the questions on the way out because they put pictures and then asked us very thoughtful oh, yeah. questions because one of the things I think we're missing in our world today is you know just the critical thinking you know we're, we've gotten yeah. so used to reality tv that we just listen to sound bites and we read stuff and we take it as truth and we don't ask questions the second and third question we don't think critically about what a statement might mean and we don't do yeah. our own research and learn and grow as God created us and gave us the mind to do and so I love that they ask people to think critically so here's some of the questions 
Should very young children be prosecuted as adults? What should we do about the growing elderly population in our prisons? How do we eliminate the presumption of guilt that is assigned to black children? And uh, they also noted that black orphan children were deemed criminals in the aftermath of slavery. And so they were immediately, even though they were just orphans, they were immediately um, uh, criminalized. And it said most um, prosecutorial office prosecutorial offices don't have conviction integrity units to help investigate and correct wrongful convictions. Should this change? Should we do more to publicly acknowledge our history of racial injustice? Should any child be sentenced to die in prison? Should governments do more to rehabilitate instead of just punish imprisoned people? Today, many schools remain racially desperate with little diversity. Why is this and what does it mean? Should state governments execute some incarcerated prisoners? Should we find new ways to address student discipline in schools with high suspension and expulsion rates? How do we improve the police and community relations and end unnecessary police violence? Do churches and people of faith have a special obligation to address the history of racial inequality? So as you're walking out, that's what you see. And that's the questions they're asking you to reckon with. And it was really powerful to see that and ask myself hard questions and ask myself, why do I believe what I believe? And what could I do? Do I have a place in this? Is there a part for me? Is there someone I'm connected to? Can I lift someone up, empower someone up, share this work that they're doing with EJI so that more people can understand this and donate and contribute? So that part was the museum. So I don't know if you have any questions about that, Tiff, or you want me to talk about oh, I just got to catch my... <laughs> just so, I know, I so moved by it yeah same Um, sister same (laughs) and i know i said this um toward the beginning of our time together listeners but it's so easy to turn a blind eye because it hurts Mm -hmm. and we Mm -hmm. don't want to feel pain and we feel like real life is hard enough or we feel like that happened in the past that's not what life is like now i think that's the biggest excuse that we throw around it's one i often hear from people is like oh why, why is everybody making such a big deal about mm. um, what's happening to our black brothers and sisters? Why, why mm. you know, this is something that happened in the past and that's, you know, actually hit the nail on the head. We're talking about something that was only 60 years ago, which means yeah. if you are as exennial, a, a, a your parents yeah. were likely middle school, maybe mm-hmm. teenager when they saw Dr. King march on mm-hmm. TV. You know, this is not yes. that long ago. Come on. Um, and so when you really think about how recent this is and how much there is still to do and how you can hear about this issue and feel like, well, where do I fit into this? You know, I am an Indian immigrant living in the Seattle area. What's my job? Yeah. Ashley is a, well, we'll call it bi-coastal at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor. Uh, you know, what's her job? She's got little kids. And yeah. what's our job? If you are... Um, I know we have so many listeners of all different ages, and that is something that we yes. are so honored and blessed with and um, so thankful. And so maybe you are a woman in your 50s, working full-time, and you think, what's my job? And then you hear yeah. those questions that Ashley just posed, that EJI posed to her, and you think, well, okay, let me mull on those. Let me mm-hmm. wrestle with those. Mm-hmm. Let me find out what at first I believe, What what? and if you are a person of faith, what does Christ invite me to think? Mm-hmm. Because something that um, uh, is is really jarring, especially if you've read The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby, is um, yes. so many people of faith were at the front lines of lynching, the KKK, yes. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. separate but equal. I mean, they yeah. were very much for segregation and seeing our brothers and sisters of color as second. And yes. so 
recognizing that that we are imperfect. We are broken. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when we are reconciled to Christ, we are invited to be reconciled to our brothers and sisters. Yes. And so as we do that, we each have this mantle. And that is why um, I'm going to give all the credit to Ashley. She wanted to call this title, Why Black History is American History. It is our shared history. We are a part of this. And I think um, I'm very moved, Ashley, when you shared about the soil um, yeah. and the fact that you were on the premises. You were mm-hmm. on the compound where slavery took place. You breathed in that air. You were where it happened. Um, just a small a small uh, example of, of my own is um, I got to visit um, a church where Dr. King preached in Atlanta year, probably a decade ago. And I was there for a speaking engagement. Mm. I, and I, I had a few hours mm. and I asked my driver, would you take me where anywhere Dr. King went? anywhere Dr. King was. And I remember sitting yeah. just on the corner. It was a busy corner and no, I was just weeping. You know, people are just doing their life and walking on and, and I'm just sitting there thinking like, this is, this is a place where something historic happened. This is a place where someone yes. bled and cried and sweat over what could be. Over yeah. bending the arc yes. toward justice, and we are all we're all called yeah. to do that. We are not called to be silent. And I think, um, just as you drew comparison to the border, and you can draw so many other comparisons in our day and age. That one is yes. definitely the most vivid in my mind as well, Ashley. Um, but may we all find ourselves in the story. We are not yes. absent from these stories. We are a part of the story. Right. Yeah. I love that, Tiffany, because I I really feel like the more I grow in Christ, the more I understand interconnectedness. Yeah. And the more that I go, wow, if I don't, if somebody is down, I am too. Like I think about where it talks about in Ephesians, you know, the different parts of the body and yeah. how we all need each other. You know, like we cannot pretend like we don't need the ear or we don't need the mouth or we don't need the toe. We don't need the foot. Like we don't need the hand. We need each other. And it's important. Like God says, the ones that, you know, that we have the least concerned about, the ones we think deserve the least honor are the ones God think deserves the most honor. And we all have those people that we could think of for ourselves where we're like, you are the least deserving of honor, you. Mm. And then God is saying to you, whatever your person is, that that is the one that deserves the most honor. And so I pray that we would each take responsibility for our thoughts, for our mind, for our prejudice, for the way we see things, for our explicit and implicit biases and go, you know what, God, I need to work at honoring this person that I don't think deserves it. And for you, that could be someone who might even be good. Sometimes for me, it's Christians in the body of faith. I'm like, God, you don't, they don't deserve it. <laughs> you know, they don't deserve your <laughs> salvation. They are mean. They're cranky. So it can look like anybody for you. Um, but it's important that we each take responsibility for that. And one of the most powerful things, I, I transitioned over to the um, the lynching memorial to honor those lives. And as you walk through, they did such an incredible job because it, the memorial begins flat-footed where you are facing um, each each um, hanging, it's like these beautiful hanging copper and brass um, stones, and they're long and beautiful, and you're facing them. At first, they're eye level. And then as you walk through um, the exhibit, they suddenly are above you, as if you would be looking at someone's feet hanging. 
above you. Oh my goodness. And each one is listed with the county <clears throat> and listed the names. And it was the most powerful experience. I mean, I just walked through and I wept. And at the very end, they have this beautiful quote that just says today, like, basically, we remember you. We remember your life. Mm-hmm. We share in your horror and your terror. And it was so powerful to just stand there and bear witness. It's like, I will yeah. bear witness to this. I will stand and I will gaze and I will look and I will look at these names and I will stare at this exhibit and they have another powerful one of um, six people in chains and as if they would be standing at the auction block and they have chains around their necks and chains around their arms and chains around their feet and one of the and they actually show a family separation they have a, a strong man standing and then behind him is a female who's holding a baby um, and as you see that and you recognize the horror the absolute terror of that separating the families and a woman standing there with her baby and she's actually the only one who has something covering her breast and most likely because she was breastfeeding mm-hmm. and so it's just so horrific to think about what it would have been really like and not so long ago. And we all know um, that generations affect us. We all know that we are prone to certain things because of the family lineage that we are born into. And so just imagine how that would feel to um, be born into the legacy of racism that strong. And we need to acknowledge it and recognize it. And people who say, I just, why do we give so much to this or that? Um, You know, it's because we have to reckon with our history before we can move forward into our future. And so it's important that we acknowledge this. And the last thing I wanted to share is just about the Rosa Parks Museum, because I so encourage you guys, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Montgomery, do it. Um, and the Rosa Parks Museum for kids, I mean, there's there's a lot that is not for children, but they do have this one area that's like a simulated bus ride. And so wow. you go inside and the kids sit and the, it's an actual bus ride and they learn all about Rosa Parks and they learn all about how the seating would have been and that white people were up front and people of color were in the back and what that would have looked like. and. So it was so wonderful to be able to expose our children to that and help them um, understand more. And our son just asked such thoughtful questions. And it was beautiful to see it through an eye of a child. My, my husband was the one to take them, but he shared this with me. And just him asking questions and having like such disbelief that the color of someone's skin is the reason they would be held back from doing anything. Like he really had to ask a lot of questions to even try to understand this, as he does every time we talk about it. But it was powerful for him to be able to really understand that this is part of our country's history. And so I encourage you guys to um, to pay attention to our history, to maybe question some of the narratives that you inherited <laughs> and that we would all be able to recognize the image of God in every single person so that we can empower and lift each other up and see the image of God on the earth because it is released through his, his people, all his people. Amen. And one of the ways we can do that is to be learners. Um, Ashley yeah. mentioned a few authors and uh, advocates who are doing a beautiful work, who have written books, a few, I'll just name them off and we'll list these in the show notes, but we encourage you. The next mm-hmm. step is to learn, be a learner. Don't come with your bias mm-hmm. and prejudice to the table, but with open hands, be a learner from voices yeah. and experts and advocates who really, really know what they're talking about. Um, the Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Yes. Um, I really recommend The Color of Compromise by Jamar, Jamar Tisby. Ashley, do you want to throw in a few? Is there any other in there that should be listed that you, we can link? You would have said all of my favorites. You know what? I love Journey to the Common Good by Walter Brueggemann. Um, that's a very good one as well. Oh, wonderful. Absolutely. We'll link those. And listeners, thank you so much for journeying with us. And we thank you yes. for those who listened to the whole episode because this was a lot to take in and it was a lot yeah. to sit with. And um, may you be richer for it. May you be closer to the Lord as you love others. 
We love you. We're here for you. Bless you. Have yes. a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.